Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to Come for Supper. I'm Alexandra Dudley, food writer, cook, and serial dinner party host. So I thought it'd be fun to sit down with people who share that love for food, chat about life, and learn a little bit more about how they like to serve supper. I speak to chefs, restaurateurs, artists, actors, authors, and pretty much anyone who likes to entertain. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you click subscribe. And if you enjoy it, rate it, review it, share it, and tell your friends, as it makes all the difference. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. My guest today is an award-winning chef, restaurateur, and food writer. His first cookbook, The Natural Cook, celebrates root-to-fruit eating, making the most of ingredients and working with the seasons. And his second book, Eating for Pleasure, People, and Planet, will be out later this year. He is also founder and executive chef of Poco Tapas Bar and the moving sustainable supper club and social enterprise Forgotten Feast. He has a weekly food waste column in The Guardian and writes for other publications, including The Telegraph, Foodism and Vegetarian Living. His dedication to environmentalism has placed him at the forefront of change makers, raising awareness around the global climate change crisis. And hence, he is often found giving talks, demonstrations and consulting those on how to reduce waste and protect our food system. He is the ever talented and inspiring Tom Hunt. Thank Hello. you so much. What an incredible introduction. <laughs> well, I always think you never introduce yourself like that. So it's quite nice to have someone else do it, you know, once in a while. <laughs> and actually, I could have gone on and I thought about it this morning. I was like, oh, is it is it a bit long? I mean, I could make, I could actually make it longer. There's a lot more to talk about there. Um, so how are you and where have you come from today? I'm great, thanks. I've just come from uh, Damien Clisby's restaurant, a meal around the corner. Nice. How I was it? I had a long, slow lunch on my own. Good. Whilst I waited so indulgent. This. Yeah. It was happenstance that led to me being there. I didn't realise it was just on the corner from your studio. Perfect. Um, so I had an amazing... What did you have? Celeriac salad, which I thought was my pasta dish because it came in these huge sheets that looked like pasta. Oh, amazing. But of celeriac mm-hmm. dressed with seps and hazelnut. And it was Yum. really good. So good. So autumnal. So I want to dive right in because I think it's something that needs to be part of a bigger conversation. First of all, I guess, for those who perhaps don't know much about it, what is food waste and why is it something that we need to work on reducing and preventing? Well, food waste happens at every uh, level of the food food industry or every part of the food chain from the field to the fork or our bins. Um, and it needs tackling because as most of us now know we're wasting at least a third of the food that we produce and that is creating huge um, 
carbon emissions and and every and not just carbon emissions everything else that goes with it essentially when we're thinking about waste we should be thinking about all of the resources and energy that have gone into producing that food um, from the chemicals that are put on the fields or not depending on the type of farming to uh, the transportation the labor um, and everything else um, and then of course after it's scraped off our plates into the bin it then continues to create uh, kind of really harmful kind of methane gases which are 30 times stronger than carbon dioxide um, and really damaging for the ozone um, I also see climate uh, food waste as really a gateway for us to discuss about these kind of broader issues of climate change yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there, and we're gonna we're gonna talk lots about it. But first of all, I just want to go a little bit back into your personal journey. So you work a lot with food now, but did it did it always interest you? Were you were you kind of like a foodie foodie baby? Were you into it when you were little? I was. There's a great picture of me, um, just with my arms out wide. Like I'm about three years old in my grandma's kitchen with a kind of plastic apron and just this huge mess in front of me. <laughs> like trying to cook. I love that. I love that. I used to try and make pancakes in the bathroom with flour and milk and eggs and no, and didn't quite realise that you needed heat to make them. So just used to kind of flip <laughs> raw batter everywhere, and which is why we were confined to the bathroom. Um, so can you perhaps share one of your earliest kind of food memories? Well, I, so being a foodie child or a food loving child, I uh, was gifted a copy of the Usborne First Cookbook, which is this brilliant cookbook that many people may have had or read as a child with these strange little kind of mini chefs that run around the page kind of building different recipes. And so I used that cookbook and basically cooked everything in it at the age of seven or eight, wow. including like baklava, potato skins, like... Wow, because uh, I was going to think, is it like scones and butterfly scones, cupcakes? Scones, lots of those sorts of things. Okay, but baklava is quite, I mean, you know, it's hot. hot. Is, is it safe for a seven-year-old? Yeah, well, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good to get your kids in the kitchen. That's my plan with my new do- my yes. daughter. She's six months old. I'm thinking, how is she going to eat? What's she going to eat? Oh. Cooking is so fun, I think, when you're a kid, to be honest. All my great memories are of that. And what was it that brought you into kind of food as a career? Where did that start? So, like, although I had this kind of intense passion for food, I was also uh, kind of, I don't want to say a talented artist, but... No, say <laughs> I, it. I was basically... Um, uh, pray. There was two, as a child, I was praised for two things, not, not for sport... Um, mm-hmm. But I was Likewise. praised on my cooking and my art and mm-hmm. my drawing. So I ended up uh, going to art college and studied fine art in Falmouth University. And art's still a passion for me now. And I'm now actually wondering how I can bring that back into the work I'm mm-hmm. doing. Um, but at the same time, I was always passionate about food. And so when I left university, I was like, OK, I need to cook. I need to travel what's next and ended up landing this great job and some cash and fled to the Americas and spent a, a year traveling around Central America. Wow. And then? And then, um, well, America, like Central America was a big part of kind of my uh, kind of 
coming into the to food as well because whilst i was there i was working at an argentinian grill in honduras which was just fascinating i was actually working as a waiter okay front of um, house front of house yeah um i've had a f- couple of waiting jobs and um that was just amazing because it was a caribbean my my tables were on the beach which wow. was Bliss. just it was on the island of Roatan wow. where I've never we were been, diving I, to say. Okay. Uh, I was kind of diving three times a day and then working this Argentinian grill really? in the evening but the 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 grill and I mean at the end of the day Argentinians are masters of the grill mm-hmm. and like I was just like a sponge kind of watching the chef chatting to him writing down notes and gathering kind of ideas and techniques for how to cook um, which which was just immensely inspiring um, before returning back to the UK to kind of continue working at the music festivals where mm-hmm. I've kind of yeah. always worked. Um, and lots of demos and, and Actually, well. no, I um, set up a festival cafe. Oh, did, um, oh, okay. So basically kind of whilst I was at university cooking, um, no, drawing, yeah. making paintings. <laughs> um, I was also in in between working at the music festivals okay. in the summers. Okay, cool. Like Glastonbury, Festival, and cooking with a friend, Ben Hodges, um, which, and, and we were just cooking the most incredible food, but at a festival. Great. From and scratch. So, like, good food. Because, really I mean, good food. You can find great food now at festivals because yeah. I think that music and food's come together. But back then it was, I remember going to like, Reading and stuff and it was, I used to eat Waffles. I eat a lot of waffles. Otherwise, it was like chips. I wonder if it's still the same at Reading. But, but um, we, yeah, we, I mean, the food we cooked was brilliant. Like it, like we were soil association certified, organic. Wow. And we cooked everything from scratch. The chef had, was formerly from the River Cafe. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So yeah, this is '97 and. We were we were cooking good food. <laughs> it did, it did happen. And when when was it that you kind of took no, notice of wastage? And when did that? Because that's a huge part of the way that you cook. And I think it's something you're so good at, kind of celebrating. Just just celebrating it, not making it this kind of downer, but just making it making all of the food, the entirety of the ingredients. I think taste taste great. And when was it that you kind of took note and made that happen? Um, it was. Most certainly when Tristram Stewart's team, the the Tristram Stewart, the author of Waste, mm-hmm. and really the guy, I think, who is kind of mostly responsible for opening our eyes to the to global food, food waste, waste yeah. scandal, um, his team invited me to create a banquet on Southwark Bridge using food waste. This is 2010-11. And um, I was just gobsmacked by the incredible produce that we received for the banquet. And it kind of evolved into this social enterprise called the Forgotten Feast, um, which was a campaign for sustainable food through celebration and dining and kind of creating conversations around the table through putting the solutions on the table, quite Mm -hmm. literally cooking with that waste or fish discards or whatever it was. And um, so at that point, I was like, right, that's it. I need to change the way that I operate and think about food and I mean I had already been prioritizing climate cuisine 
within the way I cook. Climate cuisine, I like that. Climate but, cuisine. Yeah, it's a good, good yeah, one. Good old thing. <laughs> I also like the word veg centric. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or v- I say plant focused or plant rich. Plant focus is nice. Plant rich is my new plant one. Plant rich is great. So the book subtitle is Plant Rich Zero Waste Climate Cuisine. Great. Ooh, nice. All of them. All, All of them, them in there. All of them. Love it. Pack them in. Okay. Um, Gosh, that's I, that's amazing that you cooked it. That. Was that after the feeding of the 5,000 that left yeah, us? So he, Square? Yeah, he'd done one the year before. I was involved with one that year. Yeah. And uh, helped and did cookery demonstrations and just got involved. Um, but it was kind of an inspiring time, really. Like everything was hitting the headlines. I was invited onto Sky News for the first wow. time, and it was kind of like, yeah, kind of an interesting time for the food sustainability revolution. Yeah, and you were a real kind of real early adopter of it. So, flash forward, two thousand eleven. We're in Bristol, and I know that you've done, you know, you've done the festivals, you've done the feasts. And I also read the other day that Bristol is the most sustainable city in the UK and apparently has like the highest rate of vegetarianism and veganism and kind of plastic free living. But at the time, did people did people get what you were doing? Did they get the whole concept of what you guys were trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you say, Bristol's quite a conscious city and open to that kind of thing. Um, but I'd say that it's sustainability kind of is new in its branding but yeah, in a, it's a it's, it's been around for a long time yeah um i've certainly grown up kind of in that mm-hmm. environment through being vegetarian and working um on farms and permaculture farms and yeah so it's always been a part of my life um and permaculture is a really interesting kind of philosophy of food sustainability for anyone interested so what to check to, to, out for people who don't know what permaculture is what can you explain it so it's yeah it's a food philosophy and way of farming or gardening that is um has a kind of well if you break the word down perma and culture be like permanent culture as mm-hmm. in it can sustain itself so it's kind of living and breathing food sustainability putting it back into the kind of putting yeah so they the they'll be there's lots of within the it's within the philosophy there's lots of kind of buzzwords and ideas that you'd already have heard of through food sustainability like one of their key mottos is produce no waste mm-hmm. and um from what i understand about the gardening itself uh it's well it's all certainly organic and low input um so low input meaning they very much favor uh perennials so there's two kind of key types of plants annuals and perennials annuals are your most plants like and your cereals or grains Mm -hmm. that need to be plowed and planted each year whereas perennials are things like asparagus and rhubarb but berries fruit trees and other plants that or bushes or shrubs that stay in the ground mm-hmm. and what you, you get a lot of benefits um, from farming in that way because you're not plowing up the soil and releasing carbon into the atmosphere um, there's much less manual labor as well yeah and you're still producing kind of great food whilst improving the quality of the soil at the same time and locking and sequestering carbon mm-hmm. um, so it's it's kind of one of the key parts of the permaculture philosophy. I should say 
I'm not a permaculture expert either. I have lived on a permaculture farm, but I, I, I'm still kind of learning myself yeah. about it. It's a really interesting um, subject. I was speaking to someone else the other day who's growing an edible forest, and I asked kind of what that was, and she was talking about it's, it's a kind of similar concept, but it's this, it's where you can kind of create this land that you can, everything, I mean, everything will be edible, but like trees, nuts, fruits, bushes, and it's that whole kind of... Yeah, so agroforestry. You're, you're not pulling stuff up as well. You're kind of leaving it in there and let it, letting it do its thing. Maybe I should become a permaculture expert. Definitely. <laughs> okay, so let's chat entertaining then. Do you like to entertain? I know that you're a busy man. You cook. You do a lot of different cooking for lots of different people. Do you like to entertain? Yeah, I mean, that's why I became a chef. Um, as I was growing up, I just found like whenever there was a party or something, I just was my place was in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that was the way that I contributed to the event or and then that continued into kind of cooking for people and doing events like through the Forgotten Feast and and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's really rewarding. It's interesting what you said when you were young about um, there were two things that you were kind of applauded for, like good at. And I, I really empathise with that because the two things that I was good at were either entertaining people like acting or dancing or cooking. And they were there, you know, it's it's such a tangible thing. There's such an element of kind of achievement when you've cooked something and people are, you know, people are there going, mm, yeah, or even just eating it. They, mm. You know, it's, it's a great feeling. So can you talk me through a bit of an evening? What are your, kind of your signature moves when you're entertaining? Well, um, I, I like to, I'm quite a practical person, so I like to prepare things in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, almost to the point where I don't have to do anything when the guests arrive. Yeah. Key to a great host, that. It's yeah. all about the prep. Um, and then I think a really good cocktail or some natural wine. Yeah, on, on yum. A, on natural arrival. Wine. Delicious. Um, of course, natural wine kind of fits in with the whole, with the rest of my mm-hmm. kind of holistic root to fruit philosophy. And um, and then, uh, well, I was kind of actually thinking about some different dishes that I might cook. Oh, yeah. Tell me. And um, I thought, yeah, I mean, everything for me at the moment is about my, it's about eating for pleasure, people and planet and the new, mm-hmm. the new cookbook. So um, it's a, actually a plant-based cookbook, but it ignore it it doesn't it doesn't ignore meat eaters mm-hmm. so it's actually there's actually quite a large section in the book about how to eat meat well um but then the recipes are all plant based so that okay. it's accessible for everyone but also kind of educational because yeah. it's not your usual cookbook it's got a lot of it's not a book for vegetarians yeah and it's not just a cookbook it's like got a lot of information about how you can eat for personal and planetary health mm-hmm. and um but the recipes uh, are um, plant-based, as I was saying, and the the one that I keep coming back to at the moment, and I've cooked at several events already, is, uh, so I love world food uh, through my kind of travel experiences, mm-hmm. but it's always kind of with these, kind of with local fresh produce. And um, so the, the starter I like to make at the moment is a repas or Venezuelan corn so cakes. So delicious. And they're so good and you can make them with like blue corn yeah. or like different kind of interesting maize meal. Um, and then I've been stuffing them with this, um, well, with pulled oyster mushrooms Yum. and a bu- homemade barbecue sauce with a salsa made from kohlrabi and dried mangoes. 
Wow. And wow. it's just like... Taste explosion. It is. And um, it's... Dried mangoes are a new one for me because although I cook with only seasonal uh, British produce, fresh produce, yeah. I like to use kind of dried world ingredients. Mm-hmm. And so the ma- a mango is normally off my shopping list. Yeah. And I've never just deci- like thought about adding dried mangoes before, but they worked so well. Yeah, clever. They just rehydrated into the salsa and just were like pow in yeah. terms of color and flavor. Amazing. And yeah, just completely wonderful. So delicious. Okay, so are you a kind of a starter main pudding man? Of yes and no. I mean, I like. I'm a feaster. A feaster. Okay, cool. Tom's I like that. feast. Yeah. So my business is called Tom's Feast, and that's for a reason. I mean, and for the Forgotten Feast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like it's all. I mean, foods about community and kind of gathering around the table. So the more you can share food, the better. And so often that might just mean. Yeah, put an amuse bouche on the table, like yeah. some kind of ceviche or something like that, or just throw everything on the table at once and just have that kind of dive in. in yeah, that kind of everyone can dive in, and also that's what gives you that kind of feasting, the the feel of celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'd kind of go everything all in. I think yeah. I might do like in terms of preparation for a banquet I might plate an amuse bouche ready so that when the guests arrive Mm -hmm. it's done and they can nibble whilst you kind of get everything else together throw it all together so when will you try and push something to kind of showcase that zero waste eating that you know that perhaps people wouldn't think of when you're when you're kind of curating a menu because I know that it's something that you push or do you not even think about it does it just sort of happen I mean root to fruit eating is kind of I'd say an holistic approach to food and um, that means everything from thinking about how it affects your health and uh, the health of the planet through the way that it was produced but it also means um, cooking with the ingredient quite literally holistically so Mm -hmm. using the whole ingredient whenever you're cooking so in some ways it's something that I don't think about. Like, I wouldn't... Although my Guardian column comes up with ideas and recipes for using the odds and ends of different yeah. ingredients, when I cook, I actually try and just incorporate those into the dish, whatever. Yeah. So, um, like, I would never peel anything. Mm. I'd always use the stalks. Especially there wouldn't you're be a question. organic always yeah. and stuff, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and that's something I've come to recently. I used to just kind of be more whimsical about eating the skins of anything but actually um the more i understand and learn about organic agriculture the more and or chemicals in terms of yeah. like the residues and fungicides that are left on produce the more important i realize that it is to to peel um non non-organic uh, or not non-organic necessarily but heavily sprayed yeah um vegetables but um i mean another kind of one of my favorite recipes uh, that I would serve at a banquet would be the Pulp Fiction burger, which is um, this brilliant kind of pink burger made with juice pulp and like it's a winter, it's in the winter section. So it's filled with like bright pink radicchios and it's, um, yeah, it's made with tempeh and walnuts and juice pulp and it's kind of flavorsome and delicious. Um, and then, yeah, another thing I might do is this kind of 
another great invention I've just managed to, to come upon is um, a winter Caesar salad. So again, winter leaves, huge sourdough yeah. croutons, and then uh, aquafaba Caesar dressing. So you'd like make it, I mean, Caesar dressing is kind of like a mayonnaise um, anyway. So you can switch the, the eggs out with aquafaba chickpea water and then whiz it up um, and add some kind of extra umami kind of seaweed and and capers or miso and things like that to kind of start kind of ramping it up in that to replace the anchovies and Yum. kind of create a more uh, kind of or seriously flavoured. You've veganified it as well. Yeah. For, for people who are vegan, you've done that as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's, I mean, there's a there's an on, ongoing argument about kind of how sustainable it is to eat meat. Um, and so I've decided to kind of stay on this. I'm, I'm not one for being in grey areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in terms of... Uh, the way that we run our restaurant Poco and the way that I operate in terms of my writing and communication is to stick with the scientists and stay out of the grey areas and just be kind of well it's a bit dramatic to say on the right side of history but what I mean is it's great to like for me I can just if, if I hear that cod isn't a great sustainable species but it is if you get it from this specific sea trawled in this specific way I'll just stay cl- clear of it okay um, and I I won't take any risks in terms mm-hmm. of the sustainability of yeah. of uh, the produce that I'm using or communicating to use because I don't see any point because there's such a great diversity yeah we're of, so lucky of, with of ingredients sustainable that products well. yeah. that we can use um, so yeah I think it forces you to be creative as well sometimes those limitations Big I always say time. like to eat seasonally as well it's just first of all go on Google it's really simple people are often ask like, how do you do it how do you find out yeah. what's in season I'm like you... go on Google it's the easiest thing speak to your greengrocer or speak to, or you know follow someone who knows what they're doing and or then look just at the stare. origin label on the yeah, packaging in the supermarket you know, asparagus from Peru but yeah. the, you know and it's it, you know you start eating things that maybe you wouldn't eat things like swede who knew how much I love Swede? I would never have cooked Swede if I hadn't just, you know, really thought, what else can I eat, you know, that's in season that I haven't eaten right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a big part of um, eating for pleasure, people and planet is um, supporting biodiversity. Mm-hmm. And like we've uh, seen a, like 60% more kind of biodiversity loss biodiversity uh, losses accelerated by 600 to 1,000 times more than it should have in the last kind of 50 years. And these statistics are all based around the fact that we're farming badly and that we're we're destroying, like through agriculture, we're destroying the, the, the wildlife and local environment. And so, but we can support all of those things through eating seasonally and diversifying our diets mm-hmm. agriculturally as well and through eating that better food. So let's talk a little bit about disasters. I know that you've done lots of cooking, lots of demos, but has there ever been a time when things just went wrong? I mean, you probably fixed it, but... Yeah, well, the... So I created the first banquets at Wilderness Festival. That's very cool. I did not know that. Very cool. They were very cool. With my friend um, Jenna and... um, the basically, uh, so I was actually 
organizing the food for all three nights um but friday night was was me saturday night was uh morrow cool and then sunday night was sky ginjal great and so i was kind of helping curate the the food and cooking it with my team and their head chefs but on the friday night um we were serving my starter which was a spring soup of just very a very simple soup of the best organic vegetables available and they were all from dalesford organics mm-hmm. and um about halfway through serving the 300 guests we realized we probably only had enough soup for 250 oh, people God. and we would uh it was just one of those moments where you're like there's not like you just have to react you can't break down and, yeah. and it was like okay we've got to make this soup now and so we just got kind of split half the team off and they made another 50 portions of soup out of what we had left gosh so it was a little bit thin compared to the (laughs) thin soup thinned it out adding all the water to it i think i've done worse than that if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I was interviewing um, Doug McMaster the other day and he said something that was really simple, but it had a lot of weight, which was just that things change when we realize that food is precious. And this morning I was reading through bits that you've written and there's again, there's one line. I I think it was an article you wrote for Vegetarian Living. And it was it kind of struck that same chord, which is when you said food tastes better when it's made with care. And I know that we've chatted a little bit more about the book, but if you were kind of, you know, if you were kind of talking to your average Joe on the street about, you know, why to, I guess, not buy into you, but buy, buy, why to believe and believe in what you're doing and buy into the book, what would you what would you say? That's pretty tough. <laughs> I mean, I I'd say that I've kind of lived and worked in food sustainability for all of my life. Um, I've been cooking for twenty years and and working in and around food sustainability experts for the last ten years. Um, and so, 
and with a great passion for and core belief that um, we should have a fairer food system mm-hmm. that supports um, everyone from the people in in the fields um, to to those that can't necessarily afford a good meal and and all of that kind of energy and the culmination of my work over the last 10 years in terms of root for eating and communicating these ideas all culminates in this cookbook top three recipes from the cookbook top three recipes mm-hmm. that I haven't mentioned yeah that you haven't mentioned <laughs> um, okay so skipping to the dessert section uh, olive oil brioche Yum. which is egg free and made with whole wheat oh, so it's vegan as well yeah wow, so the, the whole book's actually vegan the whole book's vegan okay wow but uh, as I said earlier it's kind of like from this kind of perspective that we should eat more plants mm-hmm. but and if you're going to eat meat this is how you can do it yeah okay um, and but I was just astonished by the uh, like developing the recipe and finding that you can make egg whole wheat egg free olive oil brioche because really brioche, brioche is, is, butter. is egg butter yeah. and like white flour um, but it was really is really delicious and then it's topped with plant yogurt there's some recipes for plant yogurt in the Great. back um, just made with nuts and stuff it's more easy than you could ever imagine um, and and rhubarb and then baked in the oven it's like this kind of gooey kind of brioche tart delicious um, and then I mean what's another one the uh, I've mentioned oh oyster there's a summer vegetable ceviche which I love I, yeah. I love kind of fresh those fresh kind of Peruvian yeah flavors and the tiger's milk of mm-hmm. of lime and chilies and that's mixed uh, through kind of purple potatoes which kind of steps into the idea of biodiversity mm-hmm. oyster mushrooms which are an a hero um, an environmental hero um, because they they're again in the kind of permaculture mm-hmm. concept low input so they can be grown in cities on recycled pro- products like coffee grounds or or um, wood shavings and things like that so they're a really interesting kind of sustainable ingredient to play around with and, and delicious. delicious yeah really delicious um, and then I mean the the other one that's coming to mind right now which doesn't like normally kind of stand out but it's one of the first recipes in the book and it's um it's a brunch so one of the interesting things about writing the book was learning how to make brunch without eggs <laughs> because yeah, okay. i'm Such so staple uh, yeah like for me you know brunches are all about eggs mm-hmm. um but i wanted to kind of like l- challenge that and come up with some new recipes so there's this one brunch dish which is like pretty as anything uh, whipped butter beans with grilled wild garlic and rose duca and then some fried mushrooms and on the day we had some like chicken of the woods morels mm. and some other kind of like little bluets or something so good and it was just kind of like this kind of so realisation that you don't have to have eggs for a so nice brunch yeah yeah When's it, it's March that it comes it out is, isn't yeah. it so exciting okay so when you aren't cooking and when you aren't uh I, yeah, I guess eating at home. Where do you where do you like to eat? Kind of Bristol, London. I know that's where you spend most of your time. Yeah, I mean, 
recently with a newborn, we haven't been out quite as much. So it's local yeah. places. And the best Indian I've had is Ganapati's in Peckham. Okay. Cool. They've been there for 20 years or something, and but they're incredible. Um, family run, is it family run? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just not like any other Indian. It's and it's but it's not pretentious. It's just and they do they do delivery. Great, handy, and, handy with the baby. And uh, but the restaurant's great. And actually, for some reason, more economical to eat there than it is to get the takeaway. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's funny, but it's it's so delicious. Um, where else? I mean, I'm a big fan of Damien. Clisby and Emil around the mm-hmm. corner because he was heading up Petersham for many years yeah. and um, we work together a lot um, because we have quite similar ideas around what food should be and um, and so I'm kind of big in for supporting Emil mm-hmm. and his new kind of venture. I need to go, I need to go. Everyone who's been has said it's great. Yeah, it's just again, unpretentious, really comforting, incredible tasting food I've got to go so I like to bring it back into the kitchen to end top three ingredients you advise people to always have in the kitchen sauerkraut kefir and kombucha wow wow off off you know off the norm sauerkraut 100% kombucha do you do you brew your own yeah 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 I brew my own but I feel like some people are still a bit scared of the idea of kind of having scobies in their house it's the best and what was the other one kefir yeah. do you, you, I'm assuming you do that do you do water kefir or both both okay <laughs> I, that's one thing I haven't got into yet because I don't think you can leave it as long as kombucha kombucha you can kind of do and then walk away for a couple of days but kefir it needs daily attention I think well our milk kefir has got a quick turnaround so it's ready in two days but you either make it or you don't okay, if you're so around. It's, it's, okay. The water kefir, yeah, it's been sitting in the fridge for a little while. Um, <laughs> See <laughs> it how it tastes. It doesn't really go off. If it dies, it dies. Um, but they're, they're all kind of like, I mean, um, the modern diet or the industrial diet is missing um, like a lot of, well, nutrients and probiotics mm-hmm. and and many things like fiber. But uh, that. These are things that we can replace in our diets just yeah. through fermenting a little bit of food at home. So you would you would always advise that as opposed to kind of taking a probiotic? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the science, but from what I understand, they're nowhere near as effective. Okay. Um, I recently did some or ran some panels uh, at the Good Life Experience, another festival with Sandor yes, Katz, who is the really the kind of godfather of fermentation and is a genius. Um, so I learned a lot from uh, kind of working alongside him. And um, and yeah, his kind of advice was, you know, these probiotics are can be good. And, you know, what, I mean, I think the, the pharmaceutical industry would, would argue that, you know, they, they're, they're transparent to what about what you're receiving. Mm-hmm. They tell you how many particles or probiotics, yeah. are, you know, how strong they are. But the reality is you can literally kind of mix up some cabbage with a tiny yeah. bit of salt and, and leave it, it for four yeah. days and it will be a very intense mm-hmm. and delicious probiotic. Mm. Um, and definitely cheaper. Because yeah. probiotics are really expensive. It'll cost you pennies. Yeah. Whereas a probiotic, good probiotic, will tip costs normally like a pound a day. Yeah. So, and I think the they're just incomparable in terms of the 
the the benefits you get. Um, I, so just like a little, you know, a spoonful of sauerkraut or cider vinegar. I make a lot yeah, of my own so cider vinegars. Actually, I would say that should have come in the top three recipes. You can in the have book. four. Okay, we can. Oh, that's cool. So you've got. Re- I was going to. That yeah. was my next question. Have you got kind of recipes for sauerkraut and all of these? Yeah, of everything we've just been Great. discussing. Yeah, it's all in there. Yeah, and. Um, the cider vinegar is my new favourite waste recipe because cool it's thing. literally scraps of unsprayed or organic apples mm-hmm. and some water and a little bit of sugar and then a tiny bit of cider vinegar just to start it off. Yeah. But it's literally minuscule. It's like a starter on a sourdough. Okay. And it's just, you know, it takes a while, but then you've just got buckets of okay. like this incredible ingredient that yeah. cost you virtually nothing to make. Also satisfying to have made it yourself. I think there's something, again, it's all about that kind of having made it with care that I think just is equally as nourishing as the, if the ingredient's good. Yeah. Although, I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank um, you. <laughs> so last question. Three ultimate dinner party guests, alive or dead, for this one. Um, being, well, Rennie Redzepi... Francis cool. Mormon and Dan Barber. Cool, yeah, cool, cool, cool. That would be great. Be chefs, a lot of food waste chat around. as well. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. what would you cook? Precious on. God, I hadn't thought about that. I wonder what would I cook. I'd want to do something just real. I'd want to cook with them. Yeah, I was. That would be fun actually. Maybe just get and a fire. Forage and stuff with them as well. Yeah, get a fire. Like light a fire outside. Mm-hmm. Kind of have have that dinner party in the woods yeah nice and um just kind of bring a load of incredible produce for everyone to play around with fun and your cider vinegar and all the all the ferments thank you so much that's brilliant so the book is out in march this year and until then where can people kind of keep up with you and what you're doing uh well the best place is actually instagram uh which is at chef tom hunt Mm -hmm. that's the best place and then you have your website which is is it tom's feast or is it tom hunt tomsfeast.com okay because that's got loads of information on it as well about everything yeah there's past articles and things like that yeah exactly brilliant well thank you so much for that that was lots of fun thank you I hope you enjoyed this week's episode if you liked it rate it review it talk about it share it and invite your friends around for supper this has been a Studio 71 production thanks for listening and I'll see you next week Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.